0: In case you missed it this week, Angela Merkel, Time Magazine and the Financial Time Person of the Year, had a comment that would not be permitted in Canada. That's very interesting coming from her, but it's one that we should be discussing. Along with my shocking stat, you want another measure of how the world has changed? Wow, wait till you hear this. I'm trying to give the wake-up call here today because, again, we just go swimmingly along as if nothing's happened and I'll tell you, you're going to be roadkill. Uh, Canadian dollar is a great example of that. Come on, that vacation you took two years ago down in the States that cost a 1000 now costs you over $1,400. It's a massive impact on us. That's my shocking stat coming up. Right now, though, very pleased to welcome back to the show Bob Hoy, Institutional Advisors. This is a guy who so clearly called... The credit tsunami that was about to absolutely wash over the world in 2008 and the accompanying ramifications for that, and as I said right at the top of the show, this is a business where getting it right is what counts. Not like politics where the rhetoric and the photo ops do. No, this is the real world here. Well, Bob joins me on the line right now, and I'm so pleased he could find time because I think this is an incredibly key time right now. Uh, global economy, which impacts, of course, right through Canada. Bob, thank you for finding time.
1: Hi, Mike. Good to be with you.
0: Uh, there's so much to start with here, uh, you know, so let me just say this. You know, We had the Federal Reserve move this week, so let's just talk about that for a moment. You know, it was widely anticipated, and I was saying earlier to Michael Levy, I was surprised in the sort of aftermath. I mean, usually markets react in advance.
1: Well, you know, the market, stock market, you're talking about here isn't yeah. it isn't too healthy at the moment, and so there is a school of people out there that no matter what the Fed does, it's celebrated, so they pop the stock mm. market up, and then it it's on trend for down. Um, yeah, the other thing about the senior central bank is that it has a tendency in times of great excitement, like recent or 2007 or 1929, they follow the market changes, uh, market changes in interest rates. You know, the market rates of interest they will change as the boom goes along and then increase, and then typically the Federal Reserve follows. So all of the people who focus on this great change in interest rates, it's absolutely meaningless. Now, here's what you've got, is that uh, long-dated treasuries have been rising since February. Uh, You've had uh, junk bonds, you know, low-grade stuff. Interest rates in June of 2014 were at 8% for CCC-rated junk. It's now at 18%. And that's been a year and a half increase. So that they were stalling out for so long was the unusual thing. They should have raised them quite a bit ago. But they're they're not makers of markets. They're followers of markets, and it has always been that way. So one of the a lot of the uh, uh, spokesmen here now are wondering, you know, how many Fed rate increases there will be. Yeah, yeah, I think
0: that's the big question for yeah. me. Is I'll come back to the junk bonds, though, because uh, we, we, we just skipped over that for a second. I'm coming back to that, but right now, yeah, I think isn't that the big question? Is, is this the beginning of several, or are we going to get back to the sort of historical averages? What do you think?
1: Well, uh, the uh, junk bond rates are going to continue up. There's, there's the, the Federal Reserve has maybe it has been able to push short rates for a while. But they can't push the yield curve, which is the difference between long rates and short rates. That the uh, Mr. Market does. Then the other one is credit spreads, which is the difference in quality between high-grade bonds, like treasuries, and low-grade bonds, like junk. And when the public is in a positive move, that spread will narrow uh, on a business expansion, and that uh, those spreads stop narrowing in June 2014. And so the, uh, the history of central banking is that they have no influence on credit spreads or the yield curve when it is ready to change. And it's been changing here for some time now. And just take a look back in the contraction of 2008-2009, that CCC-rated uh, junk bond got up to 45%.
0: Let me just uh, go back on that for a sec. Make sure people are with us on that, Bob. So what you're saying is, that when you get into an expansion, you know, let's say we're we're getting two percent on a treasury bill the government you know has to borrow at two percent but you know because it's an expansion the lower grade stuff gets toward that it might be five and and it maybe should be 15 but it gets down to five people searching for yield as we've been experienced but now as you're saying that spread's increasing again people are starting to look at quality you know the lack of quality and that's quite a stat that i mean that that spread used to be 45 percent
1: yeah, uh, well, that was the interest rate at 45 That was the interest rate at 45 yeah. yeah. And uh, so the point to be made, Mike, is that the central bankers have no power to prevent widening of credit spreads when it's time to widen. It's the markets that drive that. So, yeah, if, if one wants to talk about the uh, administered rates by the central bank, yeah, they're going to go up, not because the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada has decided that some genius means that they're going to raise rates. No, all they're going to do is follow up, follow the rise in market rates of interest that is already going on. And one of the things about the credit market is when you change trends, either for the good, like coming out of 2009, which which then everything turned positive, uh, the curve started to uh, flatten, and the... uh, Spread started to narrow because their confidence was coming back in the system. There was nothing anybody could do to prevent the goodness from prevailing. Mm-hmm. And the same then it reached a crescendo, a maximum, whatever you want to call it, in June uh, a year ago. And now it's going the other way. And there's nothing that any policymaker can do to change that. Now, the other thing is to go back is on the spread mark on the on high-yield stuff is that there was the peak for commodities in June, in 2014. Yes. Crude oil was around 107, and it came down, and then there was about, I think the market for junk bonds was about 17% of it was written by uh, you know oil petroleum companies, so then that side goes down. But then the problem when you have uh, the price of junk bonds going down that are mainly oil patch junk bonds, then others go down as well, it's, it's an integrated credit market. So we are now on the next uh, great train wreck in the credit market.
0: Let and me just uh, hold on that for a sec, Bob, because i, I, I got to take a break, but I've got to come one more thing here because I, I definitely want to get back to this because I think this is a monster risk uh, for people right now. But come back, is Canada the same as the U.S.? I mean, are Canadian rates following suit here?
1: They will, yeah. Yeah, the same uh, level, like you've got the high grades with uh, AAA-rated corporate Canadian bonds, and you've got the long-dated Government of Canada bonds. They will be mark- working with the U.S., their equivalents in the U.S., uh, you know, each day. Because as U.S. rates go up, so will Canadian rates go up. And the fact that uh, the government Canada the Bank of Canada is talking about going to minus rates is, a, yeah. is an absolutely absurd event. What it is is a confession that their theories about managing the economy don't work. They've got this idea that if you provide credit, it will stimulate business. But if business is not flying, then the stimulation goes into what the public chooses to put it in, which until a year ago was low-grade bonds, junk bonds, uh they're no, no longer speculating in commodities. And so it was the two financial items the public chose to mark up. That was junk bonds and and stock markets. And
0: Well, we'll come back, Bob. Just hold on for a second. Sure. got to take a break, but we're going to come back on that junk bond. Uh, I'll, I'll start with a quote, and got Bob Hoy here, thank goodness. Institutional investors, this is a key thing. Have we had a sea change in the credit markets back with Bob Hoy in just a couple of minutes across the course network? Coming up, I've got a shocking stat of the year and maybe a shocking quote from Time Magazine's Person of the Year, Angela Merkel. Uh, Let me start with a quote here. I've got Bob Hoy, Institutional Investors. Here's a quote uh, from one of the big money managers, and I think this, this is the telling tale. He says, it's not the return on capital, nor the return of capital, but the access to capital, is what really matters now. He's talking about the lower-grade bond market, uh, you know, something that's uh, the B's down to the C's. You hear those ratings, triple A, triple B, that kind of stuff. So he's talking about the lower end of that. He's worried, and there's a couple of examples. We won't bore you with them right now, but you won't even be able to access your capital. And I think you got to be clear that economic contractions happen. But the one that worries me, and we saw it in 2008, is the credit contra- contraction, Bob, and that's what scares me about the junk bond market. I mean, I think we've had about 13 billion in defaults already, in you know, oil companies borrowing, you know, in the marketplace. But uh, you know, these lower grade bonds are scaring me from a liquidity standpoint.
1: Oh, the liquidity. Well, you know, a year ago, the big advisory firms were talking about that the liquidity had gone out of the long treasury market. Now hmm. here's what happened uh, i guess a week ago is people at a, a junk bond mutual fund went to redeem their bonds and uh, they couldn't they just uh, the fund yeah. manager said no there's no they couldn't in turn sell their bonds in order to pay the people who wanted to redeem their positions so and then there was also some sort of a hedge fund who uh, denied their partners uh, the ability to uh, redeem their stuff. So well, that,
0: that's the part that's really scaring me these days. Is no, they, as no you liquidity. say, they couldn't even liquidate their bonds. They had no buyers on the other side.
1: Yeah. You know. And this so, is before the full disaster has been realized. You've yeah. only gone from 8% to 18%, and it's a long ways to 25 or 30% yield on the junk. And I'm just looking here at, this, at the spreads, which in 2007, uh, this is the triple B spread, which is investment grade, uh, 1.5% in the height of the crisis, 8%. And then here at the best in 2014, 1.5%. We're now at 2.40%, and breaking above 242 is a breakout on this thing. So yeah. these markets are irresistible, and there is no liquidity.
0: Well, you know, Victor Adair and I've been saying for ages that and and as others have, of course, but you know the search for yield is going to get people into a grade of investments they shouldn't be that they're not aware of you know they can't they don't want to stay in the government bond and get one percent over five years or one and a half or something, you know, so they've gone into further out on the risk curve to get a higher rate. Those are the guys I think could be in big trouble here
1: it will be, and here this is where the government is culpable. By artificially lowering yeah. rates, they've forced ordinary, normal people to invest in things they shouldn't have touched. Yeah. And the culpability on government, it's evil. The, yeah. And this, these theories that a committee at a central bank can make the economy better for everyone is absolute nonsense.
0: And haven't we just had a case study of that for six or seven years? They haven't got the result they wanted. There isn't sort of robust economic growth. They've changed asset prices, and they've killed savers and pensions in the process. You're
1: you're right on that, but take a look at it. The intrusion uh, over the last 25 years has increased every year, where Mm. they've got this rule, that regulation, red tape, monumental burden on the back of the ordinary businessman. So then they get a theory that, If we give it this much stimulus we'll get this much business activity but it's not happening because all of their rules and regulations are preventing a robust business expansion so then where does the credit go the public chose to put it in junk bonds and in the stock market and that has reached the maximum you know uh, on junk in in june 2014. The price action was such that, you know, we had upside exhaustions, all kinds of technical stuff that said, hey, this is the top for the junk bond price. And then, of course, uh, through the summer months, uh, this just last summer, you had uh, similar technical analysis on the stock market said, hey, this is perhaps a big rounding top. And then when you had the uh, spreads widen in breaking out in july that set up the crash in shanghai and then you came down the shanghai crashed into august late august and then tested it in september bounced up and now that rebound it got tired and i think it's starting to roll over and it doesn't have anything to go underneath the stock market because commodities are so weak mike yeah. And the Commodities Week say that the global economy is weak, and uh, they talk about crude oil, at, uh, Oh, the Saudis are pushing crude down to try and shut, out, shut down uh, the fracking uh, pr- production in the U.S. Uh-uh. This is like any post-bubble deflation, where the farmers will plant grain from fence post to fence post, in order to make more money, because the price is weak, and here you got it going on in crude oil now, where yeah. they're drilling from fence post to fence post, and the idea that the Saudis are deliberately—this is very naive. Uh, we are in a post-bubble bear market for most commodities.
0: Let me just very quickly, because time's short, but okay, let's talk to investors for a second. If you were going to, you know, if you're going to buy, uh, you know, some sort of fixed income thing at the highest level, even. What time frame do you go out? Very well, short, like one year, maybe two or something?
1: you got two things to keep in mind. You've got term risk, which is price, and then you've got credit risk, which is credit. So mm-hmm. the best thing to do would be go to investment grade U.S. corporate bonds. Mm-hmm. Then you get a better yield than if you went to treasuries of the equivalent time. Then mm-hmm. also the, year, the term you want to go is maybe four years, around four years. Yeah. So you won't get hit in 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 term risk right and you won't get hit in credit risk plus you'll get the pick we've been saying this since 2014 plus you'll get the pickup on the US dollar yeah so it's it's a very nice place to be now also one should always own some gold as insurance but you don't own it to try and make money out of it that's playing uh, currency games and at some point Uh, maybe in the next few months, it would be time to invest in some gold shares because profitability is probably returning to the gold mining business. We don't expect profitability to return to the base metal mining business for uh, some time. And the rest of the equity markets are, are vulnerable to, one, the credit problems, and two, the probable recession. So.
0: Uh, just very quickly, Bob, is there a, a, an area or a market you're saying to people, whatever you do, avoid this?
1: <laughs> well, it's we've been avoiding stuff like the the resources side since the high for uh, the uh, crude oil in 2014. Um, yep. We've been avoiding the base metal side since the cyclical peak for base metals in 2011. Uh so, there's no point going near those things. And the only, as I say, on the equity side, other than some exceptional stocks in the high tech area, which is difficult to cover, the one side that you can analyze is that in a post bubble contraction, eventually the gold side gets very good because the price of, of the mining costs of you know, commodities fall relative to gold. Look at how far crude oil has fallen relative to gold. And crude oil represents the cost of energy, so well, in any post bubble deflation, the uh, price, the cost of mining go down relative to the bullion price, and then that's what then makes uh, the gold mining companies investment grade. So well, that's, uh, that's uh, we've right. got to leave
0: it at that, Bob. Sorry, the time is short. Uh, thank you so much for finding time. Great to chat with you again. Great stuff.
1: Good to be with you, Mike.
0: Merry Christmas, Bob Hoy. Great stuff with Bob, as usual. Uh, 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 Institutional investors. Got to take a break. Come back. Shocking stat and maybe shocking quote of the week. If you're looking for that last-minute Christmas gift, I sure as heck hope you consider... Coming to the World Outlook Conference, if you had over the last several years, uh, whether it's Ozzy Jurek recommending buying U.S. real estate down in the Phoenix area, which of course worked out beautifully, started that in 2011, so you've got the huge jump in the Canadian dollar, or drop in the Canadian dollar, rise in the U.S. dollar, or whether you were just smart enough to put money into U.S. accounts, as we've been recommending here. now. No, you're not so hurt by the fall in the Canadian. Uh, stay away from the resource market. The list is a long one. We've got Keystone Financials, small cap World Outlook Conference small cap portfolio, which has done exceptionally well. No, we'll make you your money back. And as I, as you know, my big thing is I hope you bring a student with you. Just go to MoneyTalks.net, click on events. Time now for this week's shocking stat, and it's a biggie. As the Financial Times reported, when people in Argentina woke up Thursday morning, they were richer than Polish people, Chileans, Hungarians. But by the time they went to bed, they were poorer than all three. Why? Because the government decided to not support the peso any longer, remove the currency controls. The peso dropped 40% on Thursday. In U.S. dollar terms, that pushed the country down 11 spots in terms of uh, uh, the size of the economy per person, GDP per capita. 11 spots downward. Does that sound like business as usual? A 40% drop in a day? Now, people say, well, that's Argentina. No, keep in mind, the loonie's done the same thing. It's just in slower motion. All of us are poor in terms of purchasing power. The difference, it took two and a half years, where we're down about 40% from first quarter levels in 2013. You know, my plaintive cry all the time is, can't we at least start, I don't care what your opinion is, but can't we start with an acknowledgement, you can't approach the world the same way you used to. And yet we got politicos, media commentators, organized labor, they're one of the worst, and the majority of the public pretending it's just business as usual. You can't afford to do that in this environment. That's my shocking stat of the week. Let me throw this. This may be the shocking quote of the month. Time Magazine, Financial Times newspaper, recently named Angela Merkel Person of the Year. Her speech this week, in quotes Multiculturalism leads to parallel societies and therefore remains a life lie, a sham. She said that before adding that she thought that Germany had reached its uh, limits in terms of refugees. She said the challenge was immense. But here's the thing. This is not a unique view. This is the experience of the Netherlands, Denmark, France. The point for us in Canada, because you haven't been talking about this. Hey, it's one thing to do the photo op of refugees arriving. It's one thing to provide food and shelter. But that's just the first step. What Europe has told us in spades is without realistic expectations of assimilation, which means the government has to provide the wherewithal for language training, job training. Otherwise, you end up, which is exactly what's happened, and if you go to Paris and some of the neighborhoods in Paris, in Mullinex in Denmark that spawned three different terrorist attacks, that you get a significant-sized, alienated economic underclass. That is not going to work for the refugees we've invited to Canada. Well, we have an obligation to provide them with the resources to thrive in Canada. We'll see if the government's doing this. It doesn't have a great track record. It doesn't matter if it's conservative or liberal. doesn't have a great track record in this kind of stuff. But we have to get beyond some sort of feel-good photo op. There's real stuff happening here. The consequences are being played out in Germany. Played out in Europe to the extent that Angela Merkel saying that multiculturalism is a life lie or a sham. No, this will be very successful and very positive for Canada, the arrival of the refugees, if we do it right. If we don't, we're inviting problems. Take a break. Come back. Ozzy Jurek. We'll talk about some hot markets in Canada. We're talking investing there. There's lots to talk about with Ozzy. Also coming up, Victor Adair and I've got a Goofy Award. Stay with us. Coming up, I've got a goofy award right now, though very pleased to get Aussie Jurek on the line with me. So much to talk about today, Aussie. Uh, let's start with this. You know, we got, we're just talking about the World Outlook Conference a moment ago, and. Uh I'm really excited about this because we're doing a special whole section on real estate and thank you for hosting it and uh, helping us with this. But, you know, at the conferences, you usually throw out, you know, what are the five best towns in Canada, Alberta and B.C. And, of course, you've done incredibly well for your investors with the U.S. recommendations you've made for four years. Uh, Give me just a little hint for people of what you're going to talk about this year.
2: Yeah, we we also want to talk at the Outlook Conference. I mean, we love all of Canada, of course, but... The towns that we pick uh, are those that we think are better for the investor so from an investment point of view cash flow, good employment base, some reason for people to live, to move there, vacancy rate and a whole slew of factors we firmly believe that rental income is the safest moderator returns and you get a maybe a, a good upside too and you have leverage so with that in mind, you know we, we have okay yeah I was gonna five say five. with that in mind, yeah. give me a
0: couple of samples. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the top five for next year, I won't mention the first three, but the number four is Nanaimo, Great Oceans, Islands, Vista, Regional Hospital, Convention Center. Vacancy rates are improving. And you know what? Sales are up 30%. The average price, only about 6%. and we think it has a long way to go. Now, when you look at Vernon, which is number five, great ski hill. We recommended Silver Star for five years in our top five ski hills in BC. Great golf, boating, then golf, predator-rich. I mean, condo prices are still very low. Single family is up about 7%, but sales are up 26%. So all of these markets are building a bottom, whether it's the Sunshine Coast or on Vancouver Island. We think some of those cities really have a great upside.
0: And As you say, at the Outlook Conference, the focus isn't on uh, kind of, if, if you'll allow this way of putting it, where you want to live. The focus is on what investments uh, people make. And, you know, I mean, that's still such a huge challenge. We were talking earlier with Bob Hoy about one of my, maybe my biggest area of worry in the investment markets are low-grade bonds. You know, and as you say, I, I think that's going to come back to bite a lot of people here. And that's why, I mean, we've been saying on this show, absolutely without exception, quality is the key here as you say to weather these kind of ups and downs
2: yeah no question you you want to also look and understand yourself if i want cash flow i can't buy downtown vancouver i can't spend two million dollars on a condo and rent it out for 25 hundred dollars by no measures that an investment but there are some great smaller towns even in the lower mainland that have some great upside and and in the meantime while you wait for the market to increase you also get a great cash flow
0: and at the outlook conference ozzy oh sorry no, go ahead. No, yeah. Well, I was no, going to say at the no, outlet no, conference, are you going to talk about? Uh, you'll also talk about. You know, I won't force you to give it today, but what you're seeing for Alberta, with Calgary, Edmonton, et cetera, they've had a big hit. Maybe is that an opportunity there? Uh, you know, as I say, I won't force you to talk about it right now, but that's something that will be on the agenda, also. But uh, you know, as for myself, I, I really like the Nanaimo story there uh you know it's it's convenient but i think it's going to still be a major beneficiary of people in the vancouver area selling their you know 1200 square foot stucco for two million dollars and going over there and paying 500 for a big much bigger property and banking the rest
2: yeah Yeah, plus a ski condo like you could go to vernon and buy a beautiful home for that four hundred or five hundred thousand and a, a great condo for as low as maybe a hundred and fifty thousand and put the rest in the bank. But the other thing too is Mike at Whistler for instance we have more and more early Americans are uh, sniffing around. My yeah. partner Ralph Case was uh, skiing all week last week and he saw the real increase in of course snow but also also Americans. It's cheaper now. I mean the listings are now at the lowest point since two thousand and ten. There used to be some nine hundred units for sale. Now there's only $365 per sale. So. We have a low dollar. We have a lot of new people coming. No question prices will rise next year. So we have, a, and it's already on the way. So there are some great opportunities in this market where you can make some money.
0: Uh, you got a hot property for us?
2: Yeah, we have an unusual one because this one, if you have the bucks and the guts to make a quick quick profit, this property is from Jody Steeves from REMAX. <clears throat> she thinks that... Uh, If you invest $925,000 in this 2.27 acre parcel with a 4,600 square foot home on it, put $200,000 in it, you will be able to resell it at $1,400,000 and make a a nice, nice $200,000 quick profit. But you have to have the guts.
0: And where is it?
2: It's in Maple Ridge.
0: Maple Ridge, so it's a 2.27 acres, 4,600 square foot house. What are they looking, as you say, just under a million?
2: Yeah, it's nine hundred seventy-five thousand. But she figures you need about two hundred thousand, and that it's an area of top homes. Uh, and she looks at some comparable houses with uh, they also uh, what they have sold at, and she thinks it's a slam dunk. But of course, you make your own investment. Oh yeah, ab- but it's absolutely. Kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, Ozzy, Well, uh, I I want to wish you and Joe uh, a, a very merry Christmas, and uh, with all the grandchildren, and all that. I'm sure it'll be wonderful.
2: Oh, it is. We always are together. And please, all the very best to your listeners. And remember, I'm with who is the happiest person in the world, who is the most loved by millions of people. It is not Mr. Treadmill Jumper. It is a guy called Santa Claus with a big belly, and I'm with him. I'm into turkeys and Brussels sprouts and chocolates for the next week.
0: (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, of course... uh... The grandchildren love it when Ozzy dresses up uh, in sort of the Will Ferrell-like elf outfit uh, with the later hosen substituting for the elf pants. But everything else is exactly the same. I've seen it myself. I'm se- actually, I'm getting medical care to try and get that sight out of my mind. But Ozzy, Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas to you.
0: Take a break. Come back. We're going live to the trading death with Victor Dare. So much to talk about. And am I the only guy who's going to give a goofy and the name Donald Trump's in it? And you'll still be mad at me. We'll do that coming up right after the break. Coming up, my Goofy Award, but first, let's get live to the trading desk. Victor Adair is waiting for us there. Uh, Victor, it's really interesting. We finished last week, you and I, and I asked you, and I didn't give you much chance to elaborate, but I said, are the Fed going to raise rates? You said yes. They have gone through with that. And as I said earlier to Michael, I'm surprised that the market reacted also. It had beforehand, but usually that, you know, the news is completely discounted, but it didn't seem to be in the markets.
3: Well, there were two things. Yes, the Fed did raise rates as expected, but what people really wanted to see is what were they forecasting for, yeah. what are they going to do in the year ahead? And there was quite a range of possibilities. And generally the range, the expectation I think was, yes, they'll raise rates, but they're going to be very cautious about any additional increases as we go through 2016. If anything... What the Fed indicated that they might do in 16 was a little more hawkish, or uh, let's say it this way, it looks like they might put interest rates up more than the market had expected, and that gave the U.S. dollar an extra kick to the upside in the last couple of days.
0: And the markets took a dump. I mean, those last couple of days after some very positive sort of, I, I think it was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, they went way up and gave it all back and then some at the end of the week.
3: Yeah, the Dow was up uh, 650 points Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then lost all of that and more on Thursday, Friday. Uh, but you know, I mean, the, the stock market's in very schizophrenic condition these days. It's got. It seems like there's no memory from one day to the next. I did not trade the stock market this week. Uh, I went skiing instead. And I suppose if there was anything I should have done, I should have been short the stock market. I listened to what Bob had to say just uh, on the main part of the show, Bob Hoy. Uh, And I very much agree with Bob that the, uh, I think, the weak commodity market, the weakness that we're seeing in the junk credit markets does not bode well for the stock market. I should be short the stock market. I'm not, the only thing is, the good thing is, I suppose, is I'm not long.
0: Well, we might get that Santa Claus rally because, of course, uh, tax loss selling ends in the first couple of days of this week. Meaning that if people wanted to realize a loss for their tax uh, returns on 2015, at least in Canada, that date is the 24th. I think this year it's probably very it's very similar in the states. Hey, here's something else I wanted to get from you. You watch that Canadian dollar go down a little bit further. You know, uh, you know, in that it, it sort of trade around that 71 cent mark. Now that brings it down 24 percent for a year. But I know that you've been doing some work on, hey, it's sort of one of those, you think that's bad, listen to these guys.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, the Canadian dollar is getting hammered here because of weak energy prices, you know, that, the effects of that ripple across the economy, but also because the United States' interest rates are higher than Canadian rates all the way out to 10 years. But it's not just the Canadian dollar story. And What I think I've been trying to hammer home here for the last several years is it's the U.S. dollar, you know, like Bill Clinton used to say, it's the economy, yeah. stupid. It's the U.S. dollar, stupid. It's not the Canadian dollar. Canada's down 24% in the last two years, but South African Rand's down 50%. Russian ruble, 50%. Mexican peso, 32%. Brazil, down 60%. Even Norway is down 42%. Turkey, down 50%. You know, the list goes on. And, I mean, how about the Japanese yen? In the last three years, it's down 50 percent. So yes, the Canadian dollar is down 24 percent the last two years. It's down 32 percent from the the, the highs we had in 11. But it hasn't been hit nearly as hard as a number of other currencies. It's the U.S. dollar going up. That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, you've also just given us our list of where to travel. People are going to get reluctant to go down to the States because it's gone up so much. Heck, go to South Africa. You've done a heck of a good job. It's way cheaper. Go to Norway this summer. Way cheaper than it was. So there are places we can travel there. Uh, We've got about 10 seconds here, Vic. Uh, What are you looking for this week? Do you sort of stop now that we get to the Christmas week?
3: Uh, You know, I really have, Mike. Uh, Markets can get, especially the markets that I trade, can get extra neurotic this time of the year. (laughs) And, uh, you know, as my good old friend Pete Appleby likes to say, there's a rumor going around the markets are going to open again next week or next year. I think I'm just going to sit in the sidelines and enjoy the turkey. There will be lots to do when January starts.
0: Great stuff, Victor. Merry Christmas.
3: Merry Christmas to you, Mike, Grandpa.
0: Yeah, uh, my thanks to Victor, of course, and to Ozzy Jurek, uh, Bob Hoy, great to see him and or chat with him again today. Uh, also, Michael Levy, uh, David Steele, all of that, my thanks. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment, meaning you get, you're get first in line to get paid. Uh, there's no fees, and it's in the whole tech industry. Uh, just go to www.soleraclub.com for more information. Time for this week's Goofy Award. I don't know where to start with all the hand-wringing over Donald Trump. I mean, the moral high horse has got a hell of a workout this week with his ridiculous, ill-conceived declaration to prevent all Muslim immigration, including from U.S. allies in the Mideast. Yeah, that ought to work. I'm not going to go into all the practical problems associated with the proposal, and others have certainly gone on about what the Amer- what it does to American values. But come on, it's not the first time he's floated an unworkable or distasteful proposal. And that's playing to a huge number of people who are disenfranchised. You don't get that side of the coin. That's not unusual, as I said earlier, to see sort of that xenophobic response in hard economic times. Seen it throughout Europe now. But you got another thing here, though. We have been worshipping the celebrity culture that sees Hollywood heroes taken seriously on a variety of current issues. I mean, global warming. Give me a break, Neil Young. To peace in the Mideast. As if they have something special to offer because they're in movies or TV. Well, they don't. They're just celebrities. Mr. Trump is a self-promotional celebrity who is playing on that, but also playing on the failure of the two major parties in the eyes of a growing percentage of the public. My bet if the Kanye West ones for president, as he promised in 2020, he'd get tens of millions of votes. Celebrity sells. Just ask Justin Trudeau. But the other thing, we've ignored this other huge range of issues in the States and somehow they didn't get talked about because they are on the other side of the aisle. No, that's my goofy award. You want celebrities? Well, be careful what you wish for. That's all the time we have. Let me wish you a very Merry Christmas.